Welcome to the Call the Road podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Slayball, and this is my podcast where I have people on to tell stories about motorcycles. And this week, my guest is a motorcycle hero of mine. And I, I don't think I have too many of those in the world, um, but Austin Vince is my guest. And um, if you don't know who Austin is, uh, pause the podcast right now and go Google his name. And um, here, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. Just pause the podcast and go Google him. Okay. Did you Google his name? He is, without a doubt, probably one of the most influential people, at least in my life, uh, as far as movie making, um, just all around adventure motorcycling. Um, the guy is amazing. And along with him and his wife, Lois, um, they have done so many adventures, uh, each individu- individually and uh, together, um, that it's, it's too many to number. But I am so stoked to have Austin on the uh, podcast this week. And we talked so long um, that this will be part one of the podcast, and then obviously part two will be next week. So without further ado, enjoy. So I'm honored today to have Austin Vince with me on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Austin. Hello, and it's a privilege to be here. Yeah, yeah, the, the honor is mine. Um, so Austin, if you haven't heard of him, you've probably been living under a rock uh, for a long time because um, Austin is kind of i don't know if we could call it maybe the godfather of motorcycle cinema um something at least he is to me um for the people that that don't know who you are could you just give like a brief uh summary of your your background uh with motorcycles oh crikey nathan that's a big ask uh, as a <laughs> as a british person i would like to imagine that i'm incapable of self-congratulation and therefore i would just like to be considered as a member of the public um I don't know what to say, Nathan. I've made, I, I made uh, a film in 1995 called Mondo Enduro about uh, an around-the-world motorcycle trip, which ended up on television in Europe. And uh, so I could say that that was notable because it was, it was the first long-distance travel motorcycle or adventure motorcycle TV show that was on kind of normal, regular TV on, on Discovery in uh, in Europe, mm-hmm. and not some wacky middle of the night channel for the long term unemployed and the you know insomniacs sort of thing. Um, and uh, so that was uh, that was an unusual um, thing that uh, that an ordinary math teacher like me, an ordinary person who wasn't a program maker, wasn't a filmmaker, ended up getting his his home movies on television. Um, so that was quite exciting, and then I did another uh, because I enjoyed that. I then ended up actually then getting a job in television, doing history travel shows for Discovery, and then about another uh, five years after that, in about 2001, uh, we did another round the world motorcycle trip that was called Terra Circa, and then we made a film about that uh, uh, and got that on television as well. And uh, both of those shows. Um, are kind of like unusual in that they were completely self-filmed. There was nobody from the professional uh, television industry involved in them, just made by ordinary people, i.e. me and my friends. And the other unusual thing is that they were both, certainly in British terms, I think it's the same in in America, that uh, both of those films were us making a film and then trying to sell it to a TV uh, network when we got back. Now, the opposite is normally how it works. The network takes the idea commissions the show that's the word we use commissions the show puts the money up pays for the for the edit and all that sort of stuff uh but then they have enormous say they own the program so they they have enormous say 
and uh, influence about how the show unfolds and what it looks like and all that stuff. And as we know from reality television, they they don't just let you get on with it. They start sticking their nose in and saying, well, look, well, you know, we need more stuff of you guys arguing or whatever, you know. And mm -hmm. um, right. so my two films are pretty unusual in that um, they, they were completely um, un, uh, uncontrolled by anybody from the kind of traditional television community. And I think it might be not too uh, ridiculous to suggest that that, to this day, 20 years later, gives them a quality that a lot of people don't really find anywhere else when they look at their, when they go through the kind of list of adventure motorcycle films. And we had, we had the advantages that we, that we did it not once, but twice before, um, uh, the old Ewan McGregor thing came along and he, he saw our shows on TV and, uh, and uh, he phoned us up and he said, look, I'd like to do a film like yours. Can you help me organize it? So off we went. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward to, to today. Um, we were chatting a little bit before we started recording here and, um, you know, motorcycles, I, I could fairly say that we've both been bitten bitten by the bug, for sure, uh, in motorcycles. What's something that, that stands out in your mind as, uh, as, as that's, that will forever be with you as a, a memory with, uh, just from your from your life of motorcycling? Oh, crikey. That's a hell of a question, isn't it? I, don't, I, don't, I know, I yeah. <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much for making it, for giving me a question so broad that whatever I say can't possibly count as the wrong answer. But I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a broad answer, not a specific answer. Um, when I was young, and and of course thought that Steve McQueen in The Great Escape was cool. Of course, I worshipped Evil Knievel in the 70s. He was the coolest human in the world. And uh, whenever you saw like some greasers with some massive bikes or whatever, you thought they were cool. Um, my brother had the poster from Easy Rider of Fonda and Hopper cruising along. He had that poster in his bedroom window, bedroom wall. So when I was a very small boy, it was these kind of classic 60s and early 70s images of motorcycling that were going into my little head. And uh, and I've got, I think most people listening to this who are anything like around 50 years old would, would, would have, the, have those same feelings. Mm -hmm. uh, but my point is that I thought, thought motorcycles were cool or something like that. But I think if I'd been asked when I was seven years old, why do you want a motorbike? I don't know if I could have answered the question. But now I know, age 52, that the reason that you should own a motorbike is above all else because of wh where it can take you and the experiences that it can give you that weirdly simply buying a cheap car doesn't quite do the same thing. And if you bought a, a bicycle, you get something incredibly similar mm -hmm. to a motorcycle and bicycling and motorcycling have an enormous overlap if you were to do a Venn diagram of the two and driving a motorcycle and driving a little car have an enormous mm -hmm. overlap. Driving a motorcycle and driving a, uh, an RV have an overlap. There's nothing quite like the way that the motorcycle can take you in, in towns even to funny little parts of towns that you can't normally get to. And if it's a half-decent dirt bike, it can take you to places in the countryside that your average cyclist wouldn't really want to be getting involved in, or um, your, a car could never, even a 4x4 could never get to some of the places that motorbikes can get to. And then add to that the fact that I think the motorcycle is 
is as close as a normal person can get to a jetpack. Uh, and you see these things on, on the internet nowadays and on Facebook. Uh, there's often uh, a little kind of film on, appears in your feed in Facebook of somebody who seems to have, be in a jetpack or somebody who's flying or somebody who's got like a surfboard with a motor that's whizzing across a bay or all these kind of like newfangled gadgets. And, uh, and I was suddenly occurred to me the other day that if you've got a motorbike, you sort of have already got that already. You don't need to be given a new invention because it, because we've got it. I mean, obviously, flying is, uh, is you know is would be the ultimate dream. But so, given that we've got this amazing invention that's not so fast, but it's too fast, like a plane, and it's not so slow that it's annoying, like a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean that with no disrespect. But if somebody said, "Oh, I want to, I want a bicycle around the world." Pretty, and I mean really seriously around the world, then you've got to set aside three years for that, at least. Yeah. And that's working bloody hard, cycling most days and doing big, long days, no sitting around on your ass, you know. Yeah. So cycling around the world takes too long. Walking around the world, and some people do, it takes too long as well. Flying around the world is too quick, and you don't see enough because you're up in the sky. So, there's, so the beautiful thing about the motorbike is that you're somewhere in between there, and then you're in a place that pretty much... E the most blue-collar, humble person can probably afford some kind of crappy second-hand uh, 1980s or 90s uh, Japanese 125cc bike or a 50cc scooter or moped. And once you've got that, you've got the equipment to go around the world and break out of your own country. Yes, America, I'm talking to you. <laughs> and, uh, and go to some unusual countries, countries where Americans don't normally go. No, I don't mean Mexico. That doesn't count. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, the, that's, that's what I think is, uh, is important, uh, that the motorcycle can turn the humblest, stupidest, poorest, most ordinary, unimpressive person into a, a fairly viable international traveler hmm. and all you need to do then is decide is to get a passport and then get going and you know that's a, that's, a, that's it's that simple and I, that's why i wish somebody told me when i was a kid that it wasn't about being cool it was about looking amazing or being a daredevil or flying through the air or just you know the cachet and the fashion and the uh, the je ne sais quoi that comes from the bike mm -hmm. you know that thing that Harley people, you know, Harley people think that, you know, people, uh, members of the public should stop and look at them as they go past because the, there's something about the machine that is in itself worthy of attention. And, uh, and I, and I, my, my position on motorcycling is forget about what it looks like. Think about where it's going to take you. And then the next thing is, I don't mean to another town in your state or your county. I mean to another continent. And that one, you know, the, the, the physics of the situation is that the amount of engine you need to go around the world is about 50 cc. 125 will, will, means you can do it in style. Hmm. And now that's amazing. If, you know, if you run a helicopter blog, if you run a helicopter website or, 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 or um, you know, podcast, I could never say that, could I? I could never viably say, hey, everyone, just go and buy a helicopter, learn how to fly it, and bang, off you go. You're helicoptering around the world. 
<laughs> you know, you'd know that that wasn't true. But with a, but with a little motorbike, it is true, and it's true with a bicycle as well. You know, it's, this was a bicycle podcast. Like we could, we could say the same thing, but then it's too slow. It, and it does take too long. And I'm afraid to say it's too boring. It's boring enough riding across Kansas in, in, in a day or two. God help me if I had to cycle across Kansas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, and, and, and bicycles have gotten way more expensive too. It's uh, what you pay for a bicycle now, you can get a really, really solid 125cc uh, uh, bike for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So what advice would you have for people that have, you know, the, the darkest moments? Because I've had times on my trips where I'm like, what am I doing? Why did I do this? You know, this was like, you know, did I make the wrong decision? Like, what kind of advice would you have for, for people that kind of down in the, you know, in the, the deepest parts of the, the, you know, the trips or eat, I guess even, even their lives? Like, why should I get off the couch today to, to go ride? Like, what, why should I get out and, and get on the bike again? Well, I mean, I suppose it's, it's if it's uh, if it's not obvious, then I sort of can't help you. And that's why motorcycles will always be niche. They'll always be underground because they're right in front of everyone's face all day. Everyone knows motorbikes exist. But most people don't even think, oh, yes, I'm going to go and do that. You know, a lot of us need uh, an enabler to get us into it, an uncle, a brother, a dad, a friend, someone like that. There's very few people who can claim that through their sheer... The pure solo initiative. They have the they have the presence of mind to get a motorbike. But so so sadly, a lot of people just don't get it. You can you could give them a motorbike and they, and they sort of don't wouldn't ride it, would they? You know, we all know that yeah. guy, and we know that we all know the person that's that's bought the motorbike. Maybe even a really fancy one. Really, maybe really an expensive one, and they never use it. Hmm. You know, many of us at my, my kind of age will have friends who used to ride motorbikes with us to and go on holiday and stuff like that, and now. And you never see him again. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, uh, whatever, too married, too many kids, too much mortgage, too much job, who knows what it is. But there's a certain kind of person who, who doesn't need to be encouraged, doesn't need to be told. Uh, but if there is anybody who's listening, who's on the fence, all I can say is that motorcycling around the world changed my life. I've been, you know, all over the place in, in my own country, in England, in Europe, you know, which... Uh, is pretty much you know like the USA, a federation of pretty civilized, similar thinking kind of countries. Who we, unlike you, we just happen to all have different languages. Um, but the same here, I think the USA and, and and the European community are two very incredibly simple and uh, and similar ideas. Um, and I've written around then, but 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 life for me only really got going when I used the motorbike to go to. Uh, countries that were completely uh, unknown to me and alien to me. And you can start with that, you know, if you're British, you're British. Well, that wraps up part one of my chat with Austin Vince. Uh, I'll put some links to the some of the movies he's done as well as the Adventure Film Festival that him and his wife Lois are currently uh, putting on uh, over there in Europe. Um, really good stuff. You can find it. I'll put the links at thecalloftheroad.com slash podcasts. That's podcasts with an S. It's plural. Um, and then also I've opened up a storyline. So it's basically a phone number you can call and um, you have three minutes. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Google Voice limits you to three minutes on that. So it's the country code uh, for the U.S. So it's plus one four zero six five seven eight four 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 one. 
and I just want to hear stories of your own stories about motorcycles. And I haven't decided yet whether it'll be maybe I'll put them at the end of podcasts or maybe just do a podcast on their own uh, once I get enough of them uh, collected. But um, yeah, please do share. I want to hear. I know there's good stories out there. So it's 406-578-4441. And as always, you can find the podcast at iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, pretty much anywhere that you can find podcasts, um, the podcast is there. And if you wouldn't mind taking 30 seconds out of your day just to leave a few stars if you enjoyed the podcast or leave a quick review, um, I'd really appreciate it. That helps out the podcast, helps people find the podcast, and helps grow uh, the audience of people listening in our community here. So thanks again, and uh, until next week, stay tuned for part two, and I'll see you down the road. <laughs> <laughs>